0: We think that we've had control all this time when in fact we've been governed by these unconscious complexes, these hidden traumas in our body, whether you are doing everything exactly the opposite of what your parents taught you and you're like, screw that, I'm doing the exact opposite, or you're doing everything exactly perfectly as mommy and daddy wanted for you and been a good person, a good boy, good girl, either one of those two you're not the one in control you're being governed by the resentment or the need for approval and that unconscious complex is is choosing your behaviors for you choosing your partner choosing the career choosing your income of what you feel that you're worth that is completely left in the dark so here's the big question
1: have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have Dr. Nima Ramani with me today. He was a chiropractor, and you know what? He just said, I'm done with this. I'm going to start becoming an edutainer. And the reason was because he saw that there was an ability to take a mission with business executives, entrepreneurs, and teenagers, how to dissolve the root cause of stress. Yeah, something that we all deal with. And so he is the creator of a breakthrough new tool called the Overview Method where participants taken are through an exercise to clear emotional baggage and resentment that holds them back from moving to new levels in business, health and family relationships. And as we just talked about a little bit offline, what he uh, finds with a lot of times is parents come to him to ask him to, hey, can you help my kid with their stress? And what the real root cause there is that it's in a family stress. And so we're going to talk, dive into that. And so it's very relevant here for the Money Talkers um, listening audience. And so with that,
0: Dr. Nima, welcome to Money Talkers. Cody, thanks for having me. I look forward to this conversation.
1: This should be really fun, man. I'm excited. And so, uh, you spent a lot of time getting educated to be a chiropractor. What, uh, what made you do the?
0: Uh, I'll use the word the pivot into uh, into what you're doing now. The short answer is my ego made me the pivot. Uh, I was, you know, I was so gung ho ever since I had my first chiropractic adjustment at the age of 13. I wanted to, I was so proud. I was like, I'm going to get to the root cause of people's ailments. You know, you have pain, take a pill for it. But if you go to a chiropractor, we actually get to the root of it, which is a spinal nerve that gets, you know, irritated. And just by removing that irritation, the body heals itself. And I was super duper stoked about that. And it didn't take me long, maybe about five to seven years to start noticing within my practice that the real reason why people were coming in, of course, they have these aches and pains, but it's generally because of this lack of feeling of safety in the body. If you can just tune in to what's happening in your body right now, you realize, number one, that most of the time, I'm completely dissociated from my body. My mind is, you know, especially if you're an entrepreneur, your mind is on the overwhelm and all of the stuff to do that you're just in your head all the time. And That's the first thing you notice. The second thing you notice is when you tune in and drop into your body, there's an underlying background state of alarm that you're in. There's this feeling of a lack of safety. and I find that's true with a lot of entrepreneurs because what causes us to go into entrepreneurship is usually some sort of a breakdown with past authority figures. And uh, you, don't want, you don't want to have anyone being your boss telling you what to do, where to vacation because you have this thing with authority. Usually it's trauma that gets us into this entrepreneur game. And so that trauma that drives us, that makes us successful also has a dark side. And that dark side is that In the background. There's this thing that's running in the operating system in the background of I'm not safe. I need to hustle. I need to go, 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 go. I need to succeed. I need to prove myself because deep down inside There's a younger part of me. There's an inner child inside of me that doesn't feel worthy doesn't feel good enough that has to prove something and that underlying state of alarm is what runs the show. It's unconsciously running the show in the background. And we don't know that it's there until the body breaks down, until the body, uh, until we get into relationship breakdowns. So what I was noticing very quickly within five to seven years of my practice was that the root cause I thought was a spinal nerve out of place, which easily gets replaced and you 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 can solve that relatively easily, but what about the patients that, no matter what I did, wouldn't get better? No matter no matter what I tried or I threw at them, whatever stretch- stretches that I did, they wouldn't. And I made this connection very quickly, five, seven years in my practice, That there was some sort of of an evolution of education and responsibility required by the patient to be able to take take responsibility for their healing, rather than have it all be on my hands. And it wasn't until a patient of mine died uh, from a heart attack, who was going through a lot of stress and who had a long list of a story of suffering, that I woke up one day and decided I'm going to now teach in my office a three-hour seminar workshop called Life Skills for a Stressful World on a Saturday morning outside of my clinic hours to teach people how to take responsibility, how to how to change their story and their narratives, how to let go of that struggle, that feeling of a lack of safety in the body. And I noticed that the patients that were coming to those started getting better. And I noticed that I didn't wanna work with people unless they took that responsibility. And I started enjoying those Saturday morning workshops a lot more than my Monday morning going in and talking about back pain, neck pain. So over a period of time, <clears throat> I started giving myself permission to start teaching that. And unknowingly, <clears throat> what I was doing was developing a methodology to heal Old attachment traumas from from the past, because that's where the root cause of the root cause was. And I was teaching people unconsciously, just hey, how to get over those past uh, challenges, those past um, uh, attachment traumas with mom and dad and primary caregivers that were wreaking havoc on business in your relationships, causing you to show up as insecure and needy at work uh, at, at in your relationships. And so that. Three hour Saturday morning workshop became a three day event. And thanks to COVID, I've managed to kind of adapt it and turn it online. And now I teach a global community of self healers how to heal their attachment wounds so that they can then expand that space between stimulus and response. Not become a victim to their triggers, but become a master of their own uh, minds so that they can expand that space and choose their own adventure. So that's what I teach now. I teach people how to heal from within and heal solve their business and relationship challenges by healing their attachment wounds.
1: So how do you how do you get through the concept of you know I, in a way. I, we, we kind of talked offline. like I told you, one of my favorite words is paradigm, right? And so it's the way you see the world and you can adjust that and shift that and control that. And I've always kind of felt that like, uh, there's a Stephen Covey principle where they talk about, you know, there's a space, right, between stimulus and reaction. You kind of just mentioned that, right? And um, for me, I, when I try to tell people like, you can control that reaction, they're like, oh, no, no, no. I I'm, you know, I, I, I get angry quick, too quick. And like, no, 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 you're, you, you can change from when you go from angry to the next step. I don't know if you can change the initial stimulus. I mean, that's kind of what you're talking about. But for me, I've always been like, well, somebody punched me. I'm angry. Now, how do I, you know, how do I get over it and get to what I want to do for beneficial on the southern side? So how do you explain that?
0: Yeah, that's basically what I've dedicated my, I'm writing a book on that. Uh, I'm writing a book on that very thing that, that, uh quote, by the way, Stephen Covey was probably borrowing it from Viktor Frankl, when he says between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space lies our power to choose. And in that choice lies our freedom. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it is Viktor Frankl. Look it up. There's a sp- between stimulus and response. There's a space. Now, what I've discovered to be true is between stimulus and reaction is all is all past intergenerational trauma implicitly stored in your body. And the person that tells you, oh, no, no, I can't control that, they're absolutely right. Because Carl Jung says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you'll call it fate. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you'll call it fate. Basically what that means is, Everything you've gone through in your past with your mother, with your father, with school, traumas at school, schoolyard bullies, um, heartbreak, having your, par- having your girlfriend or boyfriend cheat on you, uh, workplace conflict, you have been, we have been accumulating these conflicts in our bodies since before we were born. If your mother and father when you were in utero if you got, if your mother got pregnant and she was like i don't know who you know, if this father, if the father, if your father is gonna be around. Her lack of safety, her lack of resource, her stress and the environment she was going through while you were being developed in utero actually has an imprint on your nervous system. And you will be heightened in sensitivity because of those stress chemicals, they will become heightened in sensitivity and you'll go through life with those imprints on your nervous system and then you'll go to work and let's say I'm working in your office and you come in because you're upset one day, Cody, and you raise your voice a little bit and you say my name with just a a little bit heightened voice and you say, Nima! Immediately, my body will go into a freeze, will go into a reaction without my conscious control. It's my unconscious that has stored the information of a lack of safety when a male authority figure raises his voice. Maybe I will have remembrance or, or a, a body-based uh, experience of my father hitting me, for example. And when you raise your voice like that, I'm not experiencing the past in the past. It's no longer in the past anymore. It's, it's actually happening as though it's now, and my body will treat the stimulus as though it's happening right now. So how do, you, how do you manage that? How do I control that? Well, the first thing is to realize that you don't have control of that. The first part of changing this and becoming trigger-proof, what I call becoming trigger-proof, is to recognize that you've been in a matrix, that you have been downloaded information about money, as you know, information about uh, your, your religion, your, your worthiness your sense of value to this world has all been downloaded unconsciously by your parents, through no fault of their own, through no fault of your own. I'm not trying to have you play victim to your parents either. I'm saying that they didn't have any idea either. And we are downloading all of that information and it's getting stored in our bodies and it gets what's called activated or triggered. So becoming trigger-proof is the commitment to being the observer to my reactivity so that I can use every trigger to go inside and fill the cracks in the floorboard. Because each trigger and reaction, like the gentleman you were were giving the example about earlier, when he says, oh no, I don't have control. It's the commitment go, okay, when, when my wife criticizes me, I react in anger or my child doesn't listen to me. I get reactive to the point where I want to get physically violent okay I'm committed to finding out why why it's because when my wife criticizes me or when my child doesn't listen deep inside the story that I make up in my body is I'm not enough I'm not valuable which comes from five-year-old version of Cody or three-year-old version of Nima who didn't feel seen, didn't feel heard. And I'm committed to using every trigger to go back and do the inner work of resourcing and connecting with that younger part of me and rescuing that younger part of me instead of making my wife responsible or my son responsible for it.
1: That's a lot to unpack.
0: <laughs> that so, is
1: the work. Yeah. That's, um, I mean, it's, and I, and I kind of, you kind of said something earlier in there and it said, well, you know, it was downloaded from your parents and they didn't know, but I, I think that like, there's not, there's always going to be stimulus. Right. And so if there's, it's not only just that they didn't know it's, it's, it's inevitable. Wouldn't you say so? A hundred percent. There has to be right. some sort. It can it doesn't have to, have to be, be trauma this way. It could be lack of this or oh there's, there's a, there's never an equal balance. And totally. so, there's always an there's always an opportunity in there because i would just say that like whatever you've been downloaded and i talk to people about this when we talk about money story right when people talk about like how they view money and it's like there's usually a lot of scarcity built in and when i talk to high achievers it's the ability to get over the scarcity mentality that their parents taught them right, right. and well, so the thing but, is
0: is that they had to first recognize that that was in them
1: yeah absolutely and that's where i was going to say is that um the the piece that's that's more important than realizing in the money story side of it and you can you can touch on this on your side where you deal with this like is that one you recognize you're willing to take the time and recognize how what your chapters have already been written but the real big piece for me is that you have the control to write the rest of the story right 100%. and when you realize that that it's not that you've got <laughs> these implants these imp, imprints and that they're they're there and if you just go with them you lose the control right and you lose the And you also from in my personal side of it is that you also are excusing yourself from having to deal with it right if you just say I'm bad with money and you put your hands up or I'll never own a business
0: like you have now excused yourself from having to put the work in exactly that statement that that gentleman said is that, you know, I can't control my feelings or, you know, I get angry. It's just who I am is uh, is a way to um, t- to to avoid the responsibility of of <clears throat> changing that story internally. Do you, now, do you think it's also a way to protect it? So to way to protect the story, to protect your but, victimhood?
1: But, yeah. Do you think it's a way that, oh, like, yeah, if, yeah. I, if not only just let me off the work to do the work to fix it, but it's also a way to protect that and say, this is me and this is mine, and that's right. how I am. That's know? how
0: I am, and I don't have to take responsibility. Victimhood, like, responsibility is the enemy of victimhood. Victimhood is the enemy of responsibility. We all um, – when we have these wounds, we all, what happens is when we, especially when we get triggered, we regress to a childlike state. This is why it's so important to do the work, uh, and by the inner work means to face those parts of us that believe that we're unworthy, that we will always be this way those represent a younger part of us that has been looking for mom and dad constantly still even in your 40s and 50s and 60s you'll still catch yourself looking for an outside savior to come and rescue you and that is a way that we uh we fight for our powerlessness because it's easier when i feel powerless i can blame someone else and it avoid I get to avoid the responsibility of the work it takes to grow up and to be the one in charge of my own destiny. So it's a choice. It is definitely a choice. And our egos, uh, who want to protect that wounded child within us, does not want to take responsibility. Wants to give away the power and make it make it about uh, somebody else's responsibility. But in order to complete to change that. There has to be a moment where you're like, no, enough. I am. I. I want to be the one in charge. It's a choose your own adventure game. I want to choose my own adventure rather than have it chosen for me.
1: You know, we when we were we talked a little bit offline. I talked about core values, and I was trying to search for the last word. Um, choice was the other word, right? I really believe in that. That that's the only thing that we're given. Uh, you know, that's God-given piece to us is that hey, you have the choice to pick whatever you want. Right, and and when you realize that not everything is is you know against you or, uh, you know whatever it is like you you if you've gotten to, if you're in a place that you don't like, you chose you made some choices that ended you there. But the thing is, right. is if you want to go somewhere, that I, I look at that on the flip side though, which is if you have somewhere you want to go, you can identify the choices that are most likely to get you there.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's about. <clears throat> well, here, here, here it is. Here's the big, here's the big uh, stumbling block. And I use this with my clients. It's all right. So where do you want to be financially? Cause you talk about money uh, with your family, your lifestyle, where is it that you want to be? Like, what is it that you want? And once you, first of all, get over the hurdle of giving yourself permission to want what you want, because many people don't, don't know what they they say. I don't know what I want. I don't know what my purpose is. The truth is they do know. It's just that there's so much unresolved uh, trauma in their body that trying on the possibility of a better job, a better career, a, a, a bigger business, a bigger company, the second that you imagine it and try it on you're going to notice a bunch of sensations coming up for you. For example, I want to, I want to double my business. Oh, great. Try it on Cody. Try on doubling your business right now. You try it on and I'm like, okay, so what comes up for you? All of a sudden a a feeling of terror. Why? Well, all these new customers, all I see is like complete chaos and time away from my family. Okay, great. Now you see why you don't have it. When you try on a, a, a desire, what comes up in your body? I wanna make more money. Okay, we'll try that on. What happens? Oh, well, this is what I, what happened with one of my clients. Uh, oh, if I double my income and I make a lot and I'm out of debt and I have abundance, uh, well, then I will be feeling like I'm surpassing my mother and I feel a lot of guilt about that. Ah, can you see why you keep yourself financially, emotionally, levels of fulfillment and happiness in your life below a certain level because you have guilt that your mother suffered so much that you're actually choosing a life of suffering so that you can have mom's approval and boom, tears start to flow and because your body will let you know What's actually stopping you? When you try on that desire, the answer, the shadows, what I call your shadows, your dark passenger will show up and let you know exactly the obstacle in the way. And that's what we we, uh, go after. We go after the young little version of you that feels unworthy if you're actually succeeding, that feels guilt if you're not helping mom. And that is unresolved trauma. And by trauma, you said it earlier, I don't mean necessarily trauma with a capital T. There's trauma with a small T in which one of your fo- folks had, you know, uh, addictions issues, alcoholism, uh, or there was divorce, or there was so much toxic toxicity in the relationship that you had to step up and become the emotional support for one of your your parents, that you had to grow up way too fast, that you had to step up and protect your younger siblings from an abusive parent. Like these 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 things are traumatic emotionally to a child that then believes that their sense of value and identity only comes from rescuing and taking care of other people. That's that a story that uh, the 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 child will make about them that says, "I who I am, am not enough, and I must." perform in order to get love. I must succeed in order to get love. That's unresolved trauma as well. And you said it, we will come up with that stimulus and we'll make up a story. An unexamined life is a life not worth living. And it's important, especially as we hit our middle ages and we start to have kids and we start to see these triggers coming up. We take a look at what, what stories and unpack them so that the second half of life, we can then choose our own adventure.
1: That was going to be my question. So <clears throat> what do you do about it and can you use it for benefit?
0: Yeah. Well, my, one of my favorite quotes from, uh, one of my favorite authors named James Hollis, he wrote in the book, um, uh, the, he, he, he said, um, the first half of life is a giant mistake. <laughs> and it's true. What he said, what he basically said, what he means is that we think that we've had control all this time when in fact we've been governed by these unconscious complexes, these hidden traumas in our body, whether you are doing everything exactly the opposite of what your parents taught you and you're like, screw that, I'm doing the exact opposite, or you're doing everything exactly perfectly as mommy and daddy wanted for you and been a good person, a good boy, good girl, either one of those two, you're not the one in control. You're being governed by the resentment or the need for approval. And that unconscious complex is is choosing your behaviors for you, choosing your partner, choosing the career, choosing your income of what you feel that you're worth. That is completely left in the dark, not addressed, until you have a big wake-up call, usually a form of a financial collapse, usually in a form of a divorce, usually in the form of a health crisis. These are the wake-up calls that finally get us to go, okay, who am I? How did I end up here? And when you start that going down that rabbit hole, you start to realize that, wow, this didn't start with me. It started long before me, and you get out of the matrix, and I. That's why I have this picture up in my uh, in my condo is a reminder of who I am and the fact that I'm here to break that cycle. And the cycle didn't start with me, but the first half of my life was a completely unconscious um, journey into trying to prove my worth, and it led me to one divorce, several failed relationships, and no possibility of having a like a relationship that worked successful in business, but I just can't figure the relationship part out. And so it had me go into this search and then rescue that younger part of me that I had abandoned in search of approval of others. And so this is our hero's journey, Cody. This is where all of us are are called to go back and rescue the parts of us we abandoned and forgotten in search of this external approval that never is enough in the form of money, in the form of, you know, for me it was women and, and relationships, uh, fame. Uh, I couldn't fill that void until I had this catastrophic collapse and then I went and found those younger parts of myself, learned how to regulate my nervous system, learned how to have intimacy. And I realized that the most important thing is to recreate a life of intimacy coming from a place of connection to a cause greater than myself, and learn learning how to emotionally regulate my triggers. And that became, you know, the new path. And that's, that's the path is learning how to become trigger proof, stillness from within. So one of
1: the, it reminded me of something that um, my mom told me when I was growing up, and it, I, I used to just kind of, shrug it off and the older and older i got the more uh true it became and it's kind of always stuck with me and it's kind of what, but you know she always told me she said you know there's nothing else in the world that's going to make you happy you're the only person in the world that can make yourself happy she said don't you know the the car the wife even the kids the the whole thing doesn't matter unless you do it internally you know And and i and she didn't say all of that but she would say in pieces here and there you know, and she would just say, "You're the only person who can make yourself happy." You know, she saw me upset about something, or sports, or you know, girlfriends, or whatever it was. And that was always the thing that stuck with me. And as I've gotten older, it seems to be more and more true.
0: <laughs> it's one hundred percent true. When you realize you've been chasing all of those things for this elusive happiness, yeah, this elusive success and happiness. And I, I, I like to borrow uh, Victor Frankel quote uh, again. Uh, what he said basically um, about this whole. Endlessly seeking happiness and success. Um, <clears throat> he says, <coughs> excuse me, he says, don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you're going to miss it. For success, like happiness, cannot be pursued, it must ensue. And it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself or as the byproduct of one's surrender to a person other than oneself. Happiness must happen, and the same holds for success. You have to let it happen by not caring about it. So it's really about the process, about the, instead of the thing, like, oh, I want the Tesla. Okay, I got it, and now it's like the horizon effect, that becomes my new normal, now I have a new craving and a desire until you have that spiritual existential conversation and say, what is Cody's life all about? Well, I have money. I have, you know, I want to make an impact. I want to leave the planet better. And so that comes from an internal search of connecting to your why. And that's where true fulfillment comes for me.
1: And so as, as, as parents, how do we consciously, foster that with our kids, thinking that, you know, it's, there's a lot to pack there, obviously. And I feel, do you feel like it's something that you can, do you feel like it's something that you can influence with your kids? Or do you feel like it's a journey that needs to come from the inside? Like, do you need, so I, I think about it in two ways, right? Like, so I think about like uh schooling where you're forced to learn something that you don't care about right and so you're really you might get an a on the test which i did many times in school because i was just i could memorize the facts an hour before the test speed read a chapter and be ready to go hour later i probably don't remember half of it right and so (laughs) I think about you that. How think,
0: to do, you learn how to do what you needed to do to get done in that moment.
1: Yeah, I just need to get by, right? I need to get, I want to grab, an, I want to get 100 on the test. I could read it, memorize it, be done with it, and be uh, an hour later, I know that I know enough answers to get through it, right? And then, like, but the other part of that is, like, the things that I've gone out to teach myself, like, the, I, I went on a journey to, to learn internally about choice, about paradigms, about the ability to... to and I, I did it as more, I would say, is kind of a side effect that it did it in my personal life. I did it more in a business life as a, at, a, at, a, at a stress point where it was like, okay, I need to be able to control and see things differently. I knew it, right? Because I knew I was just frustrated and tired and, and worn out and my way wasn't working. So when I figured out, I've been very humbled in my life. And so <laughs> as things came up, I realized, well, I got to go find somebody else to know something better than I do because I'm not looking at this the right way, right? But when I learned those things, I, I I internalized them quite a bit more because it was something I was seeking to do. So do you think as parents, and it's kind of like the pushing on a string, you know, kind of concept, like, are you able to, are you able to influence that more? Or is that something that the kid needs to have their own, uh, you know, their own sense of that they need to, to fix, to work harder on it, to open their eyes to it. Because I think if you could do this as a younger age, I feel it's a lot more like entrepreneurship money and finance as well, because there's a massive ramification because of the time frame that they have. But is it something that you can force someone to do or learn, or I don't want to say force, it's probably the wrong word, but influence, I guess.
0: Well, I think that children um, are already inspired to learn what they want to learn and so as the new parent myself I, I have a seven week old at the recording of this uh this podcast um my commitment as far as parenting goes um is to look and see how much of what i want for my son is based on my own ego yeah okay um oftentimes it's kind of like the 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 defective doll syndrome where people really don't take a look at the motivation that they had for having kids in the first place. Okay. Oftentimes, sometimes it's like, all right, a woman wants to secure her her, her financial security so she'll have a, a a child. Or a man wants to uh, you know impregnate someone because he he wants to have her as his wife. And so there's always these often these ulterior motives or I'm just bored, I don't have a purpose and I want to feel needed by someone because I don't have a feeling of safety and security and, 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 and value and worth within myself, so maybe if I have a kid that'll fix that, right? So what happens is we then become parents in the first place not knowing what these ulterior agendas are. In other words, we, be, we have children and we use children as an extension of our own egos to fill some sort of a need within us. That's the first thing that we're wise to look at in, in terms of parenting. And this isn't to shame people. This isn't to shame because it's not done consciously. But when we do it that way, then the child becomes an extension of my ego. And when I see the child struggle, when I see the child behave in a way that I don't feel is, is appropriate, I then make it about me and my reaction to that child will be all about fixing them so that they can then fit into this box so that I can feel good about myself. So that's how I was raised unconsciously, I love my parents, but growing up in a Persian household, where it's like, you got to be a doctor, you have to be a lawyer, you have to be successful, you have to look good, you have to have all of the things so that you look good, so that I can feel good about my parenting, that I was a good dad, I was a good mom, I was successful. And what happens is it works. But then what ends up happening is the child feels detached and dissociated from who they are when we raise them that way. Because if they don't fit that box, then it's like this doll that's defective. It's a defective doll that we can't return back to, uh, back to the store. And so now we're stuck with a defective doll and the child feels that, feels that hatred that feels that lack of attunement, feels that disappointment just from a look in your face. They, they're they very attuned to our energy. In case you haven't noticed, Cody, they can tell when you're okay and when you're not okay and when you're upset, they feel that, and especially in the ages. Under the age of eight, their nervous systems become highly attuned to your facial expression, your voice, and can feel the disappointment. And they don't look and say, you know, A five-year-old doesn't have the capacity to say, you know what? My dad really badly wants me to be a doctor so that it could fulfill his ego and he can feel good about himself to all of his friends. (laughs) And I feel really bad for him. And I just so empathize with his wounds that have him parent me this way. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to become a painter and a musician like my heart really wants. (laughs) A five-year-old doesn't have the capacity. A five-year-old will say, I must be defective for wanting to be a painter and wanting to study all of these things because what my dad wants for me is this. And he's right and I must be wrong so I'm not good enough. And I... I am raised to betray myself. I'm raised to abandon, and conditioned to abandon myself and not trust myself. So it's no wonder where I hit my teens, I hit my 20s, I get into relationships and then I go, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want. The truth is you do know, but you've been conditioned from parents who have no clue, who've been downloading their egos and their shame onto us unconsciously. And so- As far as parenting go, I'm seven weeks into this game and I'm committed to calling myself out each time and moment to moment going, is this for me or is this for Dominic? Is this for me or is this for Dominic? And I'm committed to the process of saying, hey Dominic, I've been a chiropractor. My ego really badly wants you to be a chiropractor too, because then I'll feel good about myself. I'll feel like an amazing parent and then everyone can look at me. All of my colleagues can high five me and say, you did a great job raising your son. However, I see that part of me. However, I'm gonna put that part of me aside and I'm gonna ask, what do you love to do? And I wanna help nurture that within you. That's my commitment.
1: Because I think there's going to be, I think there's a, I think there's people listening thinking like, well, you've got to push them sometimes though, right? Because there's a line to it. So are you thinking that the, the, are you saying that it's, it's more on the intention side of it Mm -hmm. that you need to be aware of?
0: hundred percent. Starts there. If you start there, you need to push them. If I need to push him I got to ask myself why I need to push him. Now I'm not telling I'm not telling anybody how to parent here. I'm just looking at my own and I, this is the process that I plan on going through. Do I need to push him because he's doubting himself and and I and I want to uh, remind him, remind him of his strength and say you got this. Come on, we can do this because he's doubting himself or Am I pushing him to do something that's not really inspiring to him so that I can feel good about myself? I gotta really get clear on that and tell myself the truth because any inauthenticity there will be downloaded to him. This is how intergenerational trauma happens. This is how my shame gets passed to him. And I am committed to making sure that it doesn't happen that way because that's how um, you know, I was raised, which I'm grateful for at this moment because I wouldn't have learned I wouldn't have learned and gone through my colossal catastrophes to wake up to find that strength within so that I can now teach Dominic different.
1: I forced mine. I went I went uh all in financially and uh <laughs> had a had a fun run and then I had a massive breakdown to it and that's when I had my uh my, awakening. I, I had my awakening to to Beautiful. wait a minute, um, you know, you're probably not that this? good at this. <laughs> you need you need to go see start some you need to go to search help. some uh, some better mentors and some and some uh, humbling, and so uh, I can definitely relate to that. Well, um, well listen, uh, Doctor Nima, where do uh, where do where do Money Talkers find out more about what you're doing um, and how you can help them? Well,
0: my website is right over there, <clears throat> DrNima.com. Um I have a virtual workshop that teaches the specific steps of becoming trigger proof, and I'm just sending it to you in the chat box right here, mw um, one it's there and for any guest of the money talkers I have a promo code that makes it uh, free. normally there's a there's an investment for that uh, 90 minute training but with the promo code uh, in the comments in the comment section I'm sending you which you can put in the show notes awesome. uh, it's free.
1: Awesome there it yeah. is
0: It's a 90 minute training there it is.
1: Okay, great. And so I have I'll a Facebook that... group.
0: The yeah. best way is a Facebook group. It's called Trigger Proof. Um, you can add me on Instagram, Dr. Nima, or I have a YouTube channel as well. But I do regular trainings in the, in the conversation of breaking the cycle, healing relationships, expanding that space between stimulus and response, and giving our kids the greatest gift that we can give them, which is a parent that loves themselves. The greatest gift that you can give your child is giving them a parent that fully loves and appreciates all parts of themselves. Because if you don't, you're going to unconsciously, not because you're a bad parent, I'm going to unconsciously download my shame onto my son to try to compensate for the parts of me that I'm not okay with and put all of that pressure onto him. And the greatest gift I can give him is being good with me and being able to be responsible for my own reactions and triggers. That's, that's what I'm, uh, that's to creating secure attachments and creating a secure attachment with my wife. I don't care how many, you know, millions your, your company is producing. If you're not able to create a secure stable type of home base for yourself, your business is not at its, at its, uh, potential. It's, you can, you can, yeah. you can have so much more, uh, uh uh, so much more, uh, impact when you feel that stability and security at home and your kids will feel that security and stability when they see the, the attachment between you and your partner being really strong. And so I'm committed to that conversation.
1: Awesome, man. Well, listen, I want to thank you. I think we could go on for quite a while, uh, between the yeah, two of us totally down this rabbit hole. And so, uh, please go check out Dr. Nema. It's drnima.com forward, uh, forward slash VW one, right? And so we'll put the promo code and the links in the show notes. And, uh, and I want to say thank you so much for coming on Money Talkers with me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram, at The Money Talkers, for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a Money Talker.